Welcome back, everyone, to another wonderful and deliciously delicious episode of Rising Action. We're off a cliff already. <laughs> uh, we're going to run that one back. No, nah, dude. Um, Keep it going. Okay, well, I hope you're hungry because we've come with sustenance. <laughs> Uh, this is what this is what Josh gets for letting me host today. Uh, this is Rising Action. I'm Grayson. Ignore everything you've heard in the past fifteen to twenty seconds. Um, and uh, here with me is Josh Johnson, the man himself. What's up? I'm crying. There are tears coming out of my eyeballs right now. <laughs> Listen, we're keeping the mood light. Josh Woo. is getting married in a few days. We're here talking about movie stuff. When you're hearing this, he will already be married. So yeah. tweet at him. Uh, happy marriage. <laughs> happy marriage. <laughs> happy marriage. Appreciate uh, it to everyone. Listen, uh, we're not going to waste any time. All right. Uh, we're going to jump straight into the news. The news! And, you know, since the the news, not to be confused with the nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. Uh, the news. Yeah, you got to cut that out, bro. Um, anyway, uh, okay, the first thing I want to talk about since I'm on a weird, I, I think the reason I'm acting so weird is because I watched this trailer for this really weird movie called uh, Lamb, um, and uh, it's an A24 movie, so go figure. Surprise, um, surprise. A, a film by Valdemar, Val, Val, <laughs> Voldemort Johansson. <laughs> Listen, I can't, I can't, Voldemort makes a this, movie like, about lambs. Grayson can't remember how to host. I'm getting married. Uh, None of us uh, are really it's here. It's a wonderful day. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Lamb starring... Uh, oh, no. I thought it was Rooney Mara. That's not right. It's Noemi Rapace. No, Noemi Rapace? How do you say her first name? So, okay. It is Nordic. Um... If I remember right. Mm. So I bet you okay, the so actors I'm not even gonna try it. are all Nordic. <laughs> yeah, they are. The next guy is Bjorn. Yep. Har- Haraldsson and then Hilmerg. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a Nordic Swedish film. The director is Valdemar Johansson. Um, even the music is com- uh, composed by someone that. Yeah, literally has letters in their name that are not from the English alphabet. So, Indeed. not even going to give it a shot. Uh, this movie is crazy, just like how I've been for the past fifteen minutes. God bless my soul. Um, and uh, listen, let me—I don't know if anybody has seen this trailer, but I'll just describe it as this YouTube comment says: "Couple can't have kids. Their sheep gives birth to a lamb. Couple adopts it as their own. Mother sheep gets jealous and stalks couple." effed up shit happens um which is exactly what the trailer i got from that not at all actually in fact i was so confused in this trailer uh i mean i got hints of that but i was like ah that makes it clear thank you um it's like a thriller horror suspense film but with goats uh, and <laughs> with go- yeah well listen a24 already did one like you said with the witch which I know was basically it. basically a, like satan was a goat so um not to be confused as the goat. Satan sucks. <laughs> All right. Jesus is the goat. Praise. 
I hope people are getting so much entertainment out of this episode. <laughs> Woo! Uh, listen, but you saw this trailer. What'd you think? Um, I don't know, man. It's a twenty-four movie, so first trailers for a twenty-four typically don't give anything away. So I feel like I still know nothing about the movie other than weird goat stuff happens. And the last time I said weird goat stuff happens, it was not at all referring to anything that I will probably see in this movie. So, Right. Yeah. Anytime there's just weird goat stuff in a movie, I'm always nervous. Yeah. Yeah, the the best weird goat thing I've ever seen was Goat Simulator. Uh, (laughs) This is the the greatest video game of all time. (laughs) Uh, Go watch PewDiePie back in 2014 play Goat Simulator and you won't be disappointed. I'm sure Um, not. Yeah, um, yeah. Weird goat stuff. Weird. I'm goat probably stuff. gonna watch this movie. Can, we, can I? Okay. And be like, man. My review on Letterboxd. Letterbox sponsors, please. Uh, my review when that that movie comes out is just gonna say weird goat stuff, and it's just gonna be for you. I hope I I'll repost it. <laughs> I, I won't even post my review. I'll post your review that just says weird goat stuff. Let's see. Maybe maybe we'll go. What does it come out? It comes out October, October eighth. Maybe I'll I'll go back up and see you, and we'll go watch. Uh, we'll go watch Lamb with a few beers in us, and I'm gonna uh, need all and, of them. Yeah, <laughs> we'll pay for overpriced movie theater beer. Yeah, and uh, and call it a day. Um. Anyway, moving to something that we're both probably. Definitely, arguably more excited for uh, Dune coming out with a new trailer. We talked about the new release date Ooh-wee. last week, and I he put it in the the chat for our show notes, and I was like, "Crap, I haven't seen this trailer. Let me watch it real quick." And I was like, "Holy moly!" They held out so much in the marketing for this movie. Yeah, like there is so much in here that I did not realize was going to be, but it looks. Sick, like it looks like by far Denis Villeneuve's most action-packed movie, um, and he's had some like most of his movies have been have had action in them, but they've never been action movies. Sicario, right. movie that has had action, not an action movie. Same thing with Blade Runner, same thing with Prisoners, same thing like whatever movie you want to talk about. Arrival, like they've ne- they've always been suspenseful. They've always been kind of like burns. thrillers, right? They're they'll either like they're a lot of them are very somber, yeah, um, and very like. They're not to say hard to watch. They're not hard to watch, but some of them just deal with a lot grittier topics. And that's not to say that Dune does it, but Dune definitely looks like a mixture of like, uh, I don't, I, I don't know, like Game of Thrones and like Star Wars, basically. Like, yeah. that's what it feels like to me as I'm watching it with like a little bit of like Western stuff in there. And, and of course, like we mentioned last week, um, a star studded cast. Um, you've got, so many people in here that are giving their a game um so the cast will not miss i hope this trailer starts plays in theaters i'm assuming it is um or people are seeing it on the internet because we talked about last week like it may suffer losses i think it may suffer losses but if people see this trailer they will go see this movie all right you got jason momoa just like beating people up. You got Oscar Isaac beating people up. You got Timothy Chalamet beating people up. You, you got everybody beating each other up, all right? Uh, and with cool sci-fi swords and, like, 
like these weird like energy vibration suits and and cool yeah. ships and beautiful cinematography, uh, which has always been a staple of Villeneuve's um, films, and obviously why he's my favorite director. So. This will um, this will definitely I guarantee will be um, high in the ranks of not only my favorite films of his but just films in general. Um, yeah, and I I still stand by that I don't think it'll lose money. I think it's gonna make a buttload of it. Um, I know like film news movies typically don't make a ton, um, which is really sad because they're all phenomenal movies. It's like. He has the mm-hmm. problem that Christopher Nolan has never struggled with. Like, they're the inverse of one another, where Nolan's movies always make too much money. Villeneuve's need more money. Like, Christopher Nolan needs to give yeah. some of his money to Villeneuve because... And they're on the same caliber, if not, yeah. like... They're, they're very in that different. same block. Yeah, they're incredibly different in tone and style. Um, but they're both, you know, well-reviewed directors, I uh, you know, you and I would have them in our top five directors working. Um, For you sure. would have Villeneuve number one. So, you know, mm-hmm. he makes phenomenal movies, but this one is the first one that feels like a summer blockbuster that he's made. Whereas oh, Nolan yeah. has made several summer blockbusters. I feel like every movie since probably um, Inception, no, Dark Knight. No, since like Insomnia. Each movie he's made since Insomnia feels like a summer blockbuster. That's true, yeah. So you got Batman Begins, you've got Dark Knight, you've got Inception, you've got Interstellar, you've got yeah. Dunkirk, um, with like, the most recent being Tenet. Like, like all you know, of those Dark feel rises. Like, all of those feel like blockbusters to me. So mm-hmm. you know, this is Villeneuve's first uh, it feels like a blockbuster. Um I know Yeah, it does. I I can't I can't think of any of his others and be like, Yeah, that's a blockbuster. They're just all really good movies. Um, so this is really exciting because we get to bring a director who we know makes great films into a block, uh, like a story made to be a blockbuster and a cast that, I mean, it's, everything says billion dollars. It's got it written all over it. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that Blade Runner 2049 would, um, you know, it would get there. It had Ryan Gosling, it had Harrison Ford, it had Jared Leto, um, but it, it, it was a slow burn, and, you know, I listened back to our last episode talking about it, and, you know, I still think, like, it is so weird that 2049 didn't make much more money, but now that I've thought about it a little bit more, I can see kind of why. It was just a slower story, more somber, yep. more, you know, contemplative, and um, I, I get it. You know, I get why... Uh, audiences didn't fall necessarily head over heels in love with it. But this one, based on the trailer and the tone of the trailer, I can't really see that same problem transferring over here. And so I think that Dune with, I know the original story by Frank Herbert is awesome. Um, the world is awesome. The characters in it. Dude, it looks really like it has cool. crazy world building. Yeah. And I'm all about like a, a world that feels like it's already established and you're just kind of thrown into it, you yeah. know? Yep. Yeah. Dune's going to be awesome. Yeah. And you bet, like we said last week, we will watch it probably if it's on HBO Max. I'll go see it probably in theaters first. Yes. And then come back and watch it again on HBO Max um, on my TV, just like. 
you know, not have anybody in the theater or whatever, like take bathroom breaks if I need to and just like bask in its ethereal nature. I don't know. Like that's like how, how it feels like it feels like this, like just the most cinematic and like euphoric looking action sci-fi movie I've ever seen. Like it doesn't feel like it feels like you remember that movie Jupiter Ascending? Yes, it feels like that. With like but Channing like, Tatum, not crap. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> feels like that if it was just like crazy good looking. Yeah. Um, like it has the spectacle and the people to show for it, you know. And like you've already got a phenomenal uh, cult classic plot from the novel by Frank Herbert that it's just like you've just, like they have they have nothing against them other than. Mm-hmm financially it being possibly a poor time for it to come out and it being split on HBO max to me, I'm happy enough. It's on HBO max. Like I will watch it probably three or four times when it comes out. Cause it'll be on there for a month and I'll be like, yes, give it to me. Um, right. and, and this is also inspiring me because you and I talked about, um, admittedly we've never read the original novel. I know a decent, I know I'd say decent. I know, a very small amount about it through you and another friend of mine. And it's one of those novels that I absolutely feel like, like I want to read. Mm -hmm. Um, and so likely what will happen is I'll like, I'll watch it and then I'll be like, okay, I want to go and read this Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, get those, those finer details. Um, cause there's, there are certain movies. Um, and I don't even know if we've talked about this. Um, maybe a little bit. There are certain movies that I actually enjoy or prefer um reading the book and then imagining it as the movie form you know because mm. i think that's naturally what people do but there's certain ones that i don't like harry potter for example like i can imagine a good amount of the actors and stuff but i still separate it from my mind from the movies like i still feel like it's the separate entity or there's other novels and uh movies that like have you know made this connection that I'm like, oh, like, okay, I associate these together. Like, right. you know, I associate this actor playing this book or playing this character in this book as I'm reading it. I hear their voice, you know, et cetera. Um, and uh, I, I'm hoping that the um, that it is faithful to the book for sure, while also being an entertaining um, sci-fi uh, adventure, because um, it feels like. We haven't really had a sci-fi film on this caliber in a long time. I'd say probably the thing that I think most recently is like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like maybe and that was like three or four years ago. And even that, that's more like that is a Marvel film, right? And obviously I like I'm a huge comic book fan. I do it like a comic book, like you know, a comic related podcast and everything, but um in terms of like this feeling like this original thing. That's why I say like it feels like Star Wars. Yeah, but, like, I was about to say with, like the political aspect of Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, there's there's not been a movie that has come out that will be. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. I'm trying to dance around it because I don't want to, you know, make people mad. But like Dune, the closest comparison to Dune will be Star Wars. There's not been anything mm-hmm. that has come close to Star Wars since Star Wars came out. Dune is going to be the closest thing to that. Um, it's going to give you a whole new world, a whole, like, I, it's just going to be so well fleshed out. 
Um, it's more than just this one story. Like there's a lot of stories in that Dune world, definitely not as fleshed out as lore with Star Wars has gotten, but it wasn't ever mm-hmm. that way when it first came out. And um, it does have, Star Wars has the benefit of its creator still being alive. Frank Herbert, um, the author of Dune has passed away. So, you know, I don't know how that necessarily affects the growth of the lore of Dune, but Dune 1000% is a quote unquote modern Star Wars, even though this book was written in the 80s, mm-hmm. story's been around for a while. Um, this will be like the next Star Wars. And so in that yeah. sense, I in that sense, I can't see it being anything less than just an absolute smash. Josh, what is this last piece of news? So for me here, enlighten me. Yeah, this, you know, I thought it was interesting. Um, a screenshot was released from Joel Cohen's kind of adaptation of Macbeth, uh, which mm-hmm. very interesting. Uh, it's got Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand in it. Really, really cool. So powerhouse actors. Um, and supposedly the film is shot entirely in chiaroscuro, I believe is how you say it, uh, which is essentially just like contrast. Um, right. Yeah. It's contrast. It's it's kind of how Akira Kurosawa uh, shot his films way back when. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a foundational aspect of composition and whatnot, but um, it's exciting. It's Joel Cohen uh, of the Cohen Brothers. He didn't get Ethan Cohen in there, so it's just Joel. And he's kind of making his own version of Macbeth. And I think the reason why that's so ex- exciting slash intriguing is because, you know, I've seen the Macbeth with um, Michael Fassbender, which was just very interesting. Uh, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dialogue was entirely Shakespearean. Um, it was basically a play with just like really awesome cinematography. Um, yeah, I haven't seen, and I could be wrong, but I haven't really seen like an adaptation of Shakespeare where it's modernized. Um, it's still the same themes. It's still the same story. It's just not Shakespearean dialogue. And I'm wondering, you know, if that potentially will be the case with this Macbeth film, um, Denzel and Francis McDormand have been known to, uh, you know, do live action plays, um, and do also adaptations of plays to film like Denzel did Fences, which is an award-winning pl- uh, stage play. Um, and he did that with Viola Davis adapted to film and it was phenomenal. And so, you know, I don't know much about this Macbeth movie other than, a Coen Brothers doing it. Denzel's in it. Francis McDormand's in it. It's shot in a very intriguing way. It's going to be a movie that's going to be catching Oscar buzz probably when it comes out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just very intriguing. You know, Francis McDormand is married to Joel Cohen. No, what the heck? I just I just found that out. They've been married since 1984. What? That's probably why it's just Joel. That kind of makes sense now. What in the world? <laughs> I was looking this up as you did this, and I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so what a power couple, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. 
there you go. You learn something new every day. Yeah. So, Betty just went up to his wife and was like, hey, be in my movie. She's like, all right. <laughs> That's wild. Anyway. Be in this Macbeth movie. Yeah. I wonder if it'll be more of an adaptation, uh, like like a more of a theatrical adaptation rather than like an like a live action play like you mentioned or not. Um, yeah, I really don't know. Shakespearean plays are not my thing. I'm not going to lie. I'm, just not, I'm not really into the whole Shakespearean dialogue and everything. Um, yeah, if you could see me right really now, my hype. head is shaking. I'm not a huge fan of it it's either. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, we'll keep tabs on that. I'm in- intrigued. I like Denzel Washington. Denzel? He's the best actor ever. He's so dang smart. He's so dang clever. Are you trying to date That's Denzel? That's a YouTube video. <laughs> okay, I was no, like, what are you It's a YouTube doing? video where he, he said, it, here's the song, all right? It's Denzel Washington's the best actor ever. So dang smart. So dang clever. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, what there you go. On That's how you know Denzel Washington's the best. Because he's um, so dang smart and so dang clever. I know. He actually is really awesome. Um, well, there's not a clean segue into this other than, Josh, you brought up an interesting uh, topic for today's episode. Um, one that I know not a whole lot about other than the articles you have presented to me. and I skimmed before this episode because <laughs> I am a poor student. Um, film editing. How does it work, man? Tell me about it. Let's chat. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like the editing of a film is potentially the most important aspect of it. You know, direction, acting, all of these things are incredibly important to a film being good. Um, but honestly, you know, none of it is really possible if the editor doesn't bring out all of the good that all the other pieces have done in making the film. Um, you know, an actor is not their best self without the editor to bring out the best of their performance, um, to choose the correct angles um, from days of shooting, to choose the correct takes even, um, to know, like, you know, there's notes from a director that will be given to an editor that say, you know, here's what I'm going for here. It's kind of like his roadmap, if you will, of, you know, right. here's what I want to accomplish and then the editor's job is to accomplish it, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. The editor is the glue that kind of brings the whole film together. Um, they're not necessarily thought of that way, because I think when we think of you know what makes a movie good, we think of good acting and good direction. So a, a director's name could be a draw to a film. It you know like Denis Villeneuve for you is an absolute draw. You're going to watch whatever he makes. It just doesn't matter. Um, Christopher Nolan is a draw for a whole lot of people. Robert Eggers is a draw for people. Um, but the directors are, again, it's their vision. Usually it's their story usually. Um, but it's not necessarily them themselves telling it. It's, uh, they sit with an editor and it's a collaborative, um, effort and obviously the director gets final say on what makes it into the cut of a film but 
the editor is the person that just kind of brings it all together. Uh, the head editor, yeah. um, they will edit dailies from an, or not a head, not the head editor. They will have assistants that will actually do this, but assistant editors will take footage from dailies, which is live from a shoot. And, and they will edit those scenes kind of roughly together to kind of get a look at what you've got. Um, the head editor will look at them, uh, will give notes on them, will uh, take them and kind of play with them themselves. Um, and then, you know, this kind of goes throughout the whole film shoot. And then at the end of the film shoot, um, the editor takes all the footage, takes the dailies, takes the, you know, takes everything they've got. And they sit down for several months and do a rough cut of the film, typically with director's notes that are kind of saying, you know, here's what I want here. Um, it tends to vary based on directing style, whether or not the director actually sits closely with the editor in that rough cut process. Some directors kind of go away and do their own thing for a little bit and leave that, that editor to work on the rough cut, come back and give notes, or they'll work really closely with the editor um, through that whole process. Um, some just kind of leave, come back and then work closely for that last, um, you know, final cut process, uh, after the rough cut where, you know, the, the director's gotten to see actually what the story's going to look like, how it's going to feel. Um, and, and now they can fine tune it and actually put their vision into the story. Um, so, I mean, it varies a lot with, you know, editing, you kind of have to know a little bit of everything. Like with directing, I mean, you're asking, answering questions from every department on set and, you know, that's audio, it's mm -hmm. lights, it's um, acting, it's cinematography, it's, you know, the, the set builders, it's the costume designers. You know, a director is involved in everything, so they can't do everything to perfection. They kind of are just overseeing sort of everything that's going on. The editor will be on set occasionally to kind of get a feel for how the shoot is going, what's the style that this director is kind of shooting the film in and, you know, get an idea for the performances that the director is highlighting um, during the shoot and kind of bringing more of that specific direction from their actors and the editor is kind of paying attention, taking notes down of all these things, observing, seeing, kind of getting a feel for like, okay, how is this going? What does this director want? What does this story need? Um, and they're making notes of all these little things throughout this whole process. Um, they're interacting with special effects artists to uh, get special effects shots made. Um, they're working with audio engineers um, uh, on the actual recordings of dialogue and uh, nat sounds and whatnot for the, for the film. They're also working with the composer to get a tone for the music that'll be in the film. Like, you know, it varies even there with how much the director's involved with that. Like sometimes they won't be so much involved. They'll just give notes to the editor and say, all right, or edit, editor and composer and be like, here's kind of what I want, make it happen. Or, you know, there's the story with uh, Ludwig Göransson for Tenet where he went to Christopher Nolan's offices and they sat and just listened to music. Uh, Christopher Nolan had music for him. He said, all right, here's what I want. Uh, here's the tone I'm going for. Go away and make music. And then they came back and they listened to it. And, you know, sometimes it's it's kind of that sort of collaboration, but it varies a ton. And um, 
an editor's job is so kind of crucial to the the film actually coming out being good. Um, it gets analyzed a ton, but it also gets kind of overlooked by the general public as something mm-hmm. that, it, you know, it's there. But I don't think, you know, the average Joe is leaving a movie thinking, oh, the editing for that film stinks. You know, sometimes you can't really right. tell if editing was good or bad or indifferent. Um, it's one of those things that if you develop an eye for it, an ear for it, you can tell. But, um, you know, normally we go watch a, you know, a Marvel movie and we're thinking, oh, the acting stunk. Or like, why did that one character do that one thing? Or why didn't that one thing happen? Or, you know, kind of like the basic stuff. But then under all of that, kind of under the radar is is editing. And and it kind of like brings the whole pie together. It's it's not the icing on yeah. top. It's like the flour um, that kind of like right. is the base for everything. Yeah. I think, you know, from our experience, we talked a little bit um, in the, uh, you know, the nearest serial that we're doing about short films and some of the editing that we've done. And I personally think that in all of that creative aspects of making a film, whether short or um, theatrically um, length um, or theatrically long, I guess, um, is the creativity comes out a lot through editing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do some crazy cool stuff through editing. Um, again, our buddy Seth, um, he is a pretty good editor. And um, I've seen him do some re-edits and stuff of our shorts and be like, wow, that was even better because yeah. of that thing that you changed there. Or, you know, you putting in that little thing right there in the front instead or whatever, like, you know, tightening it up. Um it's a, it is a talent. People do not realize how crucial it is. The times then we probably notice editing the most is either when it's crazy, when it's like crazy good and we like, we're just like, holy crap, or when it's really bad. Yeah. And that's usually when it's like, um, it's making it very hard to understand the story or it's making the movie way longer than it needs to be, like, you know, or too short. Like, oh, man, why was that movie, like, so short? Like, I think that one of the biggest crimes I remember, uh, and it's made fun of in the uh, film community so much, is Taken 3 when Brian Mills <laughs> is jumping over this fence, and it cuts, I kid, I kid you not, like, at least 12 times. It goes, like, just yeah. bam, 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 cut, 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 cut. And you're like, holy crap, all you needed was was two shots. You needed one of him going over the fence and him one coming over the fence on the other side. That's all you needed, right? Yeah. Like, but to make it more intense, they're like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. And it's like, It's the Paul what? Greengrass like, effect. What is this? It's, um... Oh, God. What are those? The Matt Damon movies? Uh, Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne. It's the Bourne movies. Yes. Those are where mm-hmm. they'll have in one sequence like 12, 15 different shots when you really needed three. Um, yeah. And it's it's a stylized effect. It's not done because of poor editing. Um, but obviously that technique, let's just say in my opinion, and that technique made the film worse it certainly limited its rewatchability because like i'm not going back watching a a a born movie being like oh yay i have epilepsy you know like i'm thinking yeah frick like simplify this a little bit like there's so much going on Mm -hmm. um and sometimes simple is better and sometimes it really is and you know those movies 
suffer in rewatchability for no other reason than editing. I mean, it's just, it's not necessarily just editing. It's the um, intentional getting all those shots in production. Like it's that director's style. It's Greengrass's style. Um, and so I guess you lay the blame at his feet for it. But that style of, you know, tons of shots quickly edited together kind of creates a disorienting sort of effect for the viewer. I mean, that ultimately comes mm-hmm. down to it's, it's, it's editing. Whereas on the flip side of that, you think of movies like Dunkirk, which is just beautifully edited um, to have those mm-hmm. nonlinear timelines kind of like, I mean, that, that to me is one of the quintessential, like great editing examples because with Dunkirk, you have three different timelines stitched together seamlessly in yep. a way that you don't realize they're overlapping throughout the whole story. Um, and typically like it'll be something where you're in real time and you have a flashback or you flash forward or, you know, you change point of view to somebody doing something at a parallel time, or maybe it's, maybe it's also a flashback, but typically what you don't see is things happening sort of simultaneously. And it's like two hands coming together where the fingers start to interlink. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it starts out where they're not touching, they're not touching. And then all of a sudden they're touching, but then they're getting closer and now they're linked And Oh, Oh wow. That moment was that thing that I saw earlier, but it's happening live in this timeline now, but I understand everything somehow. And that all that is happening because of the editing. Um, and that sort of thing is the director and the editor sitting down and figuring out exactly how can we make this all seamless? How can we make it clear that all these events are happening in this um, set format, I guess, or in this order um, that -hmm. makes the story come to light in a certain way that maybe you wouldn't have seen it if it happened differently. Right. Yeah. I was just about to mention another example um, on the other podcast I do, Comic Blast, me and my friend Keenan were talking about the Spider-Man movies, and I was talk- I'm was i thinking a lot of, about it, and Sam Raimi is very deliberate in the way he edits his movies. Um, I mean, even as early as um, Evil Dead and, like, Army of Darkness and stuff, they have really, like, standout editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking about, like, one scene in the very first Spider-Man movie from 2002 where... Um, it's this montage scene where um, it's when right after Peter has finally become Spider-Man, you know, Uncle Ben, like he's rehearsing the words of like with great power comes great responsibility and it cuts to him swinging. And then you see it, this whole montage of him like stopping crime in New York City. And you're just like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like this is Spider-Man being Spider-Man. And it feels so creative mm-hmm. and unique, but it works so well for the movie. Like it's not like a cliche montage with like music and stuff like there's interviews from people in the city like, oh, who is this guy? He's just like, maybe he's a woman or like you know all of this like it's crazy like new york people being new yorkers yeah um he's stopping shops getting robbed and banks and car thieves and all this stuff like that and you're like oh this is really well edited um even to like the shots of like um in future movies and stuff like that and and other movies beyond this of like uh close-ups on eyes and stuff like i mean it they everything kind of goes in tandem but when the director kind of has an idea of the editing um, I think that's when it works at its best. But I also mm-hmm. love when a director's like, 
I trust you go wild with it. Right. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, it's like, you know, you got to have the, the director kind of coming in and being like, Oh, how's it going? Like, you know, looking over these scenes and stuff. I know Zack Snyder is one person who's like that. He's, you know, his direction style is very involved with the editor. Mm-hmm. Um, because he is, again, it, it happens a lot with stylistic, um, directors. I'm sure Quentin Tarantino is the exact same way. Like, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crucial. Like that, that editor director link, um, can really make or break the movie. Um, I think I'm sure 1917, a movie that you and I both adore. Yeah. Editing was so crucial for that movie, like stitching it all together to make sure it flowed. Cause like, listen, the editor probably didn't have to do much in terms of splicing. I was like, about he was to say, like, like, here's seven, sh- seven shots I got to splice together. Right, right? Like, they did so much in camera with that movie that the editor really didn't have to do a ton because it was all in camera. All they had to do was just blend together with special effects uh, the parts which were supposed to be seamless that were transitions between shots. But, you know, he might have had, oh gosh, I don't remember, but there might have been like 20 individual shots for that whole film I, maybe i'm totally mm-hmm. off i don't i don't remember but i remember it being like yeah, not, to go back not much not much at all um you know i i remember interviews with sam mendez and roger deakins the cinematographer when that film came out that you know they were doing sequences that were up to seven minutes long all in camera and um you know probably uh, quite a few of those, you might have like 20, 20 different shots that you're stitching together. Um, mm-hmm. And in that case, editing wasn't incredibly important because it was just all in camera. But um, right, for the most part, editing is basically the glue kind of for the whole thing to come together. And even in that case, the mm-hmm. editor's got to stitch everything together seamlessly to where you can't tell um, that all these individual shots are separate. Um, they kind of yeah. bring everything together and make it seamless. So there's still kind of in that one, it's probably a little bit more icing than in some other movies. Um, but they do play a really integral part in bringing the whole thing together, bringing the whole, you know, orchestra together. Yeah. They're not the, they're yeah. not the conductor, um, but they might be like a bass drum. It's why editors are so sought out for films like, you know, and it's because they require so much patience and diligence. You're working alone. You're working long hours. It's very tedious. But at the same time, there is a thrill to editing yeah. of seeing it come together, especially when you are both the director and the editor uh, being like, you know exactly what you want. Or at least, right. you know, maybe you don't know exactly what you want, but you'll know what you want as you're making it, right? Like it's mm-hmm. kind of play it by ear thing. And there is this satisfaction of having your vision completed. And that's what an editor, like every editor needs to know the vision of the director. And so sometimes it helps when the director is the editor, like, um, because he's like, oh, I know exactly what I want. Like, I don't want to, you know, have to hassle with an editor. Right. But the best editors are the ones that can perfectly translate um, the vision of the director translate sometimes do it even better the art one of the articles we read was for the movie jarhead which was a sam mendez film where he wanted the opening to be completely silent um or the shot of, of jake gyllenhaal but you actually the only thing you can hear is the dirt scattering on his face to make it more like you're in like you to feel like you're still in it while also feeling distant from it at yeah. the same time um and so sam mendez was like oh i love that um 
So that's just like the beauty of editing right there. Like there's so many like little just these little facets and tidbits and it's like these little screws that are part of editing. Yep. But once they're all put in place, right, it creates this like beautifully welded like uh like ship, right? If you're if you want to like <laughs> beautifully it that welded way. ship. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's the worst thing they oh, thought, thought so of. Good. But uh but yeah. Um Good topic there, buddy. Yeah, that was a fun um, time. Yeah, seriously. I, I, enjoy, uh, I enjoy talking about editing, and so it's something that I actually uh, want to get better at, and I've learned some tips from, from you and others. So, um, so, yeah, there's a little bit more about film editing, and there's plenty of articles and videos done by, um, done by like, I don't know, like Insider and Vox and all these like, you know, and even Reddit and like Screen Rant and stuff have all these like breakdowns of, of you know, film editing and stuff specifically for movies that have outstanding editing. But um, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of Rising Action. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're on Spotify, free to share it. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give it a review. Um, find us on Twitter. Um, me, I'm at Schradester8. You could find you. Is it Josh Johnson with two ends, 98, or is this the one with one end? No, it's two ends. Okay, two ends. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Rising Action. You can follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore, and we will see you 